Flannery O'Connor was a brilliant novelist and also a devout Catholic. Um, yet, my personal favorite piece of her writing is not one of her novels or her short stories. It's a letter she wrote to a friend in December of 1955. She wrote about a dinner party she attended with, with well-known writers of her day, uh, movers and shakers in the literary and cultural world. And at this time, she felt like an outsider in this group, so she didn't say much at dinner. However, eventually, the conversation turned to the Eucharist, surprisingly. One, one writer there, a lapsed Catholic, uh, she had been raised Catholic but no longer practiced, she mentioned how she thought the Eucharist a beautiful symbol. Flannery O'Connor then spoke up and in a very shaky voice said, well, if it's a symbol, to hell with it. And reflecting on this incident in her letter years later, she said, that was all the defense I was capable of, but I realize now that that is all I will ever be able to say about it, except that it is the center of my existence, for, uh, the center of existence for me. All the rest of life is expendable. Flannery O'Connor, her simple, straightforward, blunt defense of the Eucharist, it gets right to the heart of the matter. The Holy Eucharist is the greatest of the sacraments. Because the other six sacraments, yes, they communicate the grace of Christ, the grace that he won for us on Calvary, but the Eucharist, Christ himself, is really present therein. For after the priest speaks those words of consecration, this is my body, this is my blood, bread and wine no longer remain. Yes, the outward appearances remain, but they have been substantially really and truly replaced by the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. We call this mystery of faith the real presence because Christ is not merely symbolically present. It's not a symbol of Christ's body and blood, but he is really, truly, and substantially present in the Holy Eucharist, even though those appearances of bread and wine remain. You know, today we celebrate the solemnity of Corpus Christi, this feast day uh, that, that brings to our attention the most holy body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist. And it's a feast day which celebrates the foundational truth that the Eucharist, Christ's presence in the Eucharist, never has been and never will be symbolic. And as I thought about what to say today, I kept coming back to Flannery O'Connor's um, simple and candid defense of the Eucharist. Uh, you see, in August of 2019, the Pew Research Center released the results of a survey they had done of Catholics uh, uh, on, on Catholics and their understanding of the Eucharist. And the results were disheartening, to say the least. Uh, they said that nearly 7 in 10 Catholics, 69%, say they personally, personally believe that the Eucharist is merely a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. Now, I have no idea how accurate this survey was. But even if the results are grossly overstated and wrong by half, well, it's still around one-third who don't believe Christ is really and truly present in the Eucharist. And it's nonetheless heartbreaking. But perhaps the best response is to echo Flannery O'Connor's simple and blunt words, well, if it's a symbol, to hell with it. But there's more to say than just that. Let's talk about the history of this feast day. It's an old feast day. It goes back to the 13th century. 
1263, there was a priest from Austria, Germany, what, what today is Austria, uh, named Father Peter. He was a pious priest, uh, by all accounts a devoted priest and good one, but he internally struggled to believe that Christ was really and truly present in the Eucharist. And he was on pilgrimage to Rome. He stopped at a town called Bolsena. It's about 60 miles, 70 miles outside of Rome. And he went to a church so he could say his mass for the day. And during, uh, right after, excuse me, the consecration, after he had said, this is my body, the host began to bleed profusely on, on his hands, onto the corporal, which is a special linen, square linen cloth designed to catch particles of the host because Christ is really present in the smallest fragment of the host. And he was bewildered, scared. Eventually, he interrupted Mass and asked to be taken to the Pope. Um, the Pope was in an, actually in a nearby town, Orvieto. So he went and he explained everything to the Holy Father who listened to him and then ordered an immediate investigation once all the facts were ascertained, he told the bishop of Bolsena to bring the corporal and the host uh, to Orvieto, where he was. And he received these items with, with great reverence and processed with them to the cathedral of Orvieto, where people could venerate him. And today, you can still venerate that corporal, this linen square that is still stained with the blood from this Eucharistic miracle. And it was this miracle, or one of the primary reasons, why the next year Pope Urban IV instituted the Feast of Corpus Christi. And I think it's, it's fitting to think about this origin of Corpus Christi, because that Eucharistic miracle involved a priest who himself struggled to believe that Jesus was really, truly, and substantially present in the Eucharist, right? Because... Normally, we, what do we say? We say seeing is believing. And we don't see any change in the host or in the chalice after the priest says those words. We don't sensibly detect anything different. And so it can be a struggle for some. Yet when God works a Eucharistic miracle, as he did in 1263, and, and as he's done multiple times throughout history, I would venture to say one of the reasons he does so is to help strengthen our faith, to momentarily pull back the veil to show us that Christ is really present in the Eucharist, that a seemingly ordinary and routine Mass, it contains a, a great and profound miracle. You know, one, one final thing about the, the history of Corpus Christi, St. Thomas Aquinas was asked to compose five hymns. Uh, five hymns or prayer texts for the feast, which he did, and they're beautiful. One of them is the hymn Adoro Te Devote. And in the second stanza there, he says this, Seeing, touching, tasting, are in thee deceived. How says trusty hearing, that shall be believed? What God's Son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. And what he's saying in that stanza, he begins by listing off senses that are deceived, so to speak, in the Eucharist. We don't see the change. We don't, you know, the, the, the texture, the, the taste, or the touch doesn't change. But he leaves one sense out, hearing. He says, hearing helps us to believe because 
the Son of God told us this was his body and this is his body and blood. He told us at the Last Supper when he said, this is my body, this is my blood. He told us in John chapter 6, which in a few weeks, we're going to read through that chapter in the Gospel at Mass over several Sundays, where Jesus gets increasingly more explicit that the Eucharist uh, is, that he is really and truly present in the Eucharist. He'll say, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh for the life of the world. And on and on. He tells us, God himself, truth incarnate, tells us this is his body and blood. And so we take it on faith, on the testimony of Christ himself, that this is his body and his blood. So today, let us pray for a renewed faith at the miracle that is the real, true, and substantial presence of Christ in the Eucharist, not merely a symbol, but really and truly and substantially present. Let's pray for that renewed faith, and as we prepare to participate in the miracle of the Eucharist at this Mass, let us call to mind the promise our Lord made to us in John chapter 6. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world.